The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. The Big Dog eats again, and boy, did they eat. An epic blowout as a dynasty is established emphatically. This is a College Game Day podcast for late Monday night, January 9th, though maybe if you're on the West Coast, starting Tuesday, January 10th, Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here, by the way, National Sports Writer of the Year, Pete Thamel is here collecting trophies even before I handed out one for the national championship. Feels like Tuesday because TCU got knocked into Tuesday. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was, uh, I mean, look, Georgia, everybody expected Georgia to be the better team. They were two touchdown favorite for a reason, but the, the way TCU looked just overmatched as if this were a September uh, guarantee game um, was that was a little a little shocking in that regard, I think. So we, we've had this line a few times on the podcast over the years, like, what will I remember about this game 10 years from now? And I will remember Wes Harris, the TCU offensive lineman, when I approached him in the locker room after the game. And I give the TCU players credit. They're all very gracious with their time. Mm-hmm. Open locker rooms can be uncomfortable sometimes. And I said, you know, ask him a few questions. I said, you know, up front, SEC line. And, you know, I said, was it anything schematic? And he goes, nah, they just kicked our ass. Yeah, and, you know <laughs> and I said, you know what? I I can't. Uh, yeah. I I can't argue with. Uh, I can't argue with that. And Jared Wiley, the tight end who, who's been there, mm-hmm. veteran veteran guy, um, he just said, I don't want to say the moment was too big for us, but basically, I'm paraphrasing. The moment was too big for yeah. us. I mean, you you sense that pretty early. They didn't have a lot of chances, and Duggan had a whole lot of heat on him. But there were a couple of plays that he's made all year that yep. he didn't make early. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have changed the outcome, but it might have kept the avalanche at bay for a little while. And, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. Uh, historically, we'll always remember the dominance of this. I mean, it even eclipsed what USC did to Oklahoma in the 2004 season. But it also, I won't say it takes away, Georgia was celebrating and I know there's a little difference in doing it a second time as opposed to waiting 41 years and finally beating your nemesis. But it was a different feel on the trophy stand for them tonight. It was, so tell uh, me about that. I wasn't up there, obviously. I was in the losing locker room, so it was a different vibe. It, yeah, it was not – I would not say it was euphoric. There was a little bit more of a sense of relief to it. Hmm. Um, but, you know, they were great and everything. I mean, Stetson was almost like – I felt like he was talked out about his story. You know, I tried to give him the – you're in the shadow of Hollywood. We've talked the movie. Um, how did you? How would you say you wrote the final scene? And he kind of gave me, you know, I mean, he, he said that too. He said, that's a tough question because I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and it kind of went on. But here's something you'll like. Yeah. You know, Kirby's playing the disrespect card. Nobody mm-hmm. believes. Oh, yeah. I tried to get him on the podium at the, or at the end. I said, um, hey, two in a row, we'll see you in Houston next year, which is where the championship game is. He wouldn't say it. But then when I was waiting to go on Van Pelt, he runs by the Georgia crowd and he holds up one finger and then he holds up two fingers and then he holds up three fingers. Colin is shot. I, I, Colin is shot. I don't know if he would say that that's why. 
I'm sure he's playing to the crowd and he deserves to celebrate with yeah. the job he did. That's all cool. But I thought it was fun because he's played yeah. the disrespect card and then he then he throws the three, which, sure. which was fun. I, You're in the moment. Yes. He was really enjoying he was giddy on the sideline late in the game. Yeah. Like he was like two step in awkward dancing. And yeah. as an awkward dancer, I can identify yeah. awkward dancing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just thought like he, he looked a little bit. And again, it's easy to be giddy when the game unfolds the the way it did, but was 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 happy for him. He's, it, it seemed like he, you know, was in the moment a little more. Maybe you know what? That's that's a great point because, you know, a lot of times I think maybe one of the things, and I'm, I'm going to talk to him in the morning. But he was euphoric. I think not because they won, but the way they played. He's talked yeah. all years about hunting. You know, he he was very almost curt in the pregame interview with you know what are you going aggressive. You know, he he was. That's what he wanted. Yeah. And I think as a coach, when you when you see your team embody the exact precise attitude that you wanted and do so um, so nearly flawlessly, that's probably very gratifying to you as much as gratifying or more gratifying than anything the scoreboard would say. Sure. And you only get in so many championship games when you're a coach. And to have everything go perfectly in a championship game, everything you prepare for, all three phases – wire to wire i don't want to say no mistakes but i would say nearly no mistakes mm -hmm. that has to, that for if you're wired the way kirby smart is mm -hmm. that has to be uh that has to be pretty cool yeah um i you know I'm, I'm sure this is not going to endear me to my tcu friends but for years for as long as i've been an ap poll voter um top two two teams in the championship game they just go one two you know winner mm -hmm. goes one loser goes two you made it to the championship game <sighs> after watching that and thinking back over the escapes over the course of the season and also factoring in a couple of things like the team that uh, almost beat them, beat TCU once and then did beat them for the Big 12 championship, basically had the same thing happen to them. Not quite as bad, but basically the same thing happened to them against Alabama. Um, I dropped TCU behind the two Big Ten schools, behind the two other SEC schools, and I voted them six. In the final yeah. poll. And I think that's probably right, Pete. Yeah. At least, you I know. mean, two, two losses, and look, they had a remarkable season. Yeah. A and great season. Yes. Really good team. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Duggan was very good in the locker room after, and I give him credit. He went to the podium, and then he took another round of questions and mm -hmm. took a lot of blame himself for those missed passes early and, and just the interceptions. And, you know, he basically said, I didn't give our, our team a chance. Um, now, there was also the sub-narrative of, like, we're not going to be remembered for this. And that's right. Like yeah. we will remember this game, but you'll remember this TCU team for the for the greater run and what they did, what they did for the Big Twelve. Um, but it's it's hard for me to like say with a straight face that team is better than those those teams yeah. that you mentioned. I think the most interesting emotion tonight came in Ann Arbor and Columbus. Oh, so they share so much vitriol, but they were probably share, sharing a collective sense of like fetal position heartbreak. One for giving up the opportunity to play Georgia when at least it would have given them a better game. I think mm -hmm. it's fair to say Michigan would have matched up better. Yes. Um, and I always said they're going into the playoff too, uh, you know, not just result driven tonight. Mm -hmm. And then in Columbus, Reese, man, like they were, you know, they well, were a national championship getaway. Yes. That's it's, I mean, it, that is, you know, they were, if they make one of nine plays over the course, of the last 20 minutes of that game, they, they are a, they are a double digit favorite to win the national title. And I have a hard time imagining they, they, I said this going in, they were the second most talented roster in yeah. this, in this playoff. And uh, it would have been a hard time imagining they wouldn't have found a way to win tonight. I, I totally, totally agree. And, you know, the one thing 
I want to go back to your point about TCU not being remembered this way. And I agree. Great story. Gives the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma leave, whenever that turns out to be. Gives them a potential cornerstone program. That said, when you lose on this stage that way, fair or not, it erodes a ton of credibility that you might have built over the course of the season, especially when you're when you haven't sustained elite success for a long time. Obviously, they're very good for a long time under Gary Patterson. Coming off a losing season, make the coaching change, you make this run, everybody's kind of behind you, and then you kind of get exposed. You know, they didn't play their best. They're not 58 points worse than Georgia, you know, yes. but they but they also aren't in Georgia's league. Yeah, you know, I, and so I mean, I think both those things can be true. And when you, but when you have that happen, man, it it really takes a chunk out of the national credibility that you worked so hard uh, to establish. I feel badly about that, but I do think that the success gives them an opportunity to earn that back. You know, over yeah. the course of the next few years, I do think some of the foundational brand credibility that they built in the portal, especially look, they have three Alabama transfers coming. Mm-hmm. They have in, in Sunny Dykes did this. He was really ahead of the game at the portal at SMU. SMU yeah. And he, you know, he brought in some high school relations type people to to get the best bounce back players in Texas. And I really feel like if TCU becomes a, a better recruiting destination, which I think it will, and you get more Quinton Johnston, ESPN 300 type guys who go on and three into draft picks and you combine it with Trey Sanders type guys who are really talented recruits who maybe just didn't because of injuries and other things didn't get a chance to to show themselves that collision can put you back in the national conversation. I don't think like people are like, Oh, I'm not going to go to TCU because they got right. a tail. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So I think from a recruiting perspective, they have built an identity and a brand and, and how they're going to do it. And I think they can continue to build on that. Look, Sonny Dykes felt like Chandler Morris, to start the season was a better quarterback than Max Duggan. Mm-hmm. And he may be a better quarterback than Max Duggan. I know for a fact, they had an opportunity to get a couple high-end quarterbacks in the portal because mm-hmm. people said, Oh, Max Duggan's leaving. TCU is this hot program. And they said, no, we feel like we have our guy. They mm-hmm. did not take a big time transfer. They did not want to scare Chandler Morris off. Remember Chandler Morris is the son of Chad Morris, the former mm-hmm. Arkansas and SMU coach was committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, which automatically makes you like a 50, 50 shot to like win the Heisman. <laughs> right. And uh, it, you know, got beat out there and transferred down to transfer down to TCU. So there, that's, that's an incredible credibility, you know, notion that they did not feel like he needed a foil or, or, or some competition to go in. So I do think the future generally is bright for, uh, for, for TCU. Um, but you know who the future is really bright for Georgia. Yeah. I mean, this was, I do not think this Georgia team is better than last year, like just on, no. on blush. And so, but I do think that this next Georgia team, if there's a quarterback could be better than this one, they're young, very and, young. And look at, look at all the young players who flashed tonight. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing because I was just about to bring up at the height of the USC era. Uh, after maybe after Alabama's 2012 championship, after they've won back to back, you felt like nobody will ever beat this team ever again. You know, maybe an upset here, or there, but they won't. They won't keep them from winning championships. And Georgia kind of made it look easy this year. You know, they had mm-hmm. a couple. You know, the Missouri game, maybe the Kent State game, certainly the Ohio State game in the playoff. But for the most part, they sort of steamrolled through, sort of methodically went through and got back to the championship. And then when they needed to turn it up, they did. It was mm-hmm. the fourth quarter against the Buckeyes or the entire game tonight. 
and you feel like they'll never lose again. Yet this sport is fickle yeah. and tough, and you don't know because you know yeah. Nick Saban. They could have lost at Missouri, so yeah. like there's always counters. That's the yeah. thing about college football; it's so wild and unpredictable. And sorry to cut your point no. off, that you can never speak in absolutes. Right. The the variance allowed by eighteen to twenty two year olds does not allow us to speak in absolutes. But I absolutely think we will spend the next six months talking about a Georgia repeat. No doubt. I mean, there's no question. Kirby put up those. Three fingers because that's they're the favorite. That's a great anecdote. It. Yeah, I mean they're they're the favorite to do it. No question. And that, that's who I'm going to pick to do it. Unless I can't imagine what would change my mind. Um, but you know the thing is, is like I said, Saban was with us doing game day, and he we were talking about the repeat and the difficulties and all of that. Sure. And he said to me at one point, he goes, "We had a better team in 13 than we did in 11 and 12." He said, and so many weird things yeah. before the kick six. So many weird things happened in that game before then. He said it was almost like they were like, you know, it just kind of wasn't meant to be, just didn't just didn't go our way. And then they made that play. And then they Nick Marshall beat him. Yeah, the didn't even play, you know, didn't get to play for it. I mean, they missed a bunch of field goals, they had penalty on the thing. They got the ball like in he was, I forgot all this. He said we got the ball like inside the 20 or 15, like uh, four or five times and you know, came away with, you know, no points because they missed the field goal, got penalty, whatever it might be. And the point is not to rehash that. The point is that even if you're right and George is better next mm-hmm. year, you don't know when the oddities Very and fair. the weird, the weird game at the exact wrong time is going to be your stumbling block. So there's no doubt George is the favorite. Yeah. I'll pick them to win the national championship again next year, and they may well do it. It wouldn't be a shock if they did. Mm-hmm. But there's all there, there's always uh, there's always that dragon ready to come out of its lair and come to your village and wreck things <laughs> for you, you know? So, yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In honor of the tenor of the blowout tonight, uh, we spent most of the fourth quarter pondering podcast topics, and our friend <laughs> Mark Schlebaugh spent a lot of time on a way-too-early top 25 that uh, I hope they released way too early tonight. They could have released it at halftime to get some, some traffic. Should have, should have given it to Herbie and Fowler. Yes, no, exactly. So they had a uh, they had a talk show. Um, Mark has the Georgia Bulldogs, number one, not surprisingly. He has uh, Ohio State, number two. I think the most interesting thing when you look at Michigan at three, Florida State at four, Alabama at five, Penn State at six, USC at seven, LSU, no Clemson, LSU at eight, Oregon at nine, Tennessee at 10, Washington at 11, TCU at 12. Mark, you forgot about Clemson. Did he leave Clemson? Utah at 13, Notre Dame at 14, 15. Clemson at 15. Well, that'll get, that'll give Dabo a little 
Oh yeah. Boy, I, you know what? If if Clemson wins the national championship next year, can you imagine Dabo on the podium after being picked 15th in the preseason? <laughs> yeah. But I, I just think it, it is an interesting time to reflect and look forward. And obviously we love the sport so much. We're already thinking about next year, which is both sad and telling and kind of awesome in a, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways. And I would, I would think that I think Michigan, I might put it too, if I know Jim Harbaugh's the coach. Yeah, if Jim Harbaugh's back, they've got their quarterback back. is such an important thing uh, in this sport. And I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth on that topic because Georgia's quarterback is not back. But I, I'm confident that they'll be able to replace him. I think McCarthy's going to take a giant step forward. I would probably have Michigan number two. Yeah, and Blake Corum obviously said he's coming back uh, this afternoon. He announced that today, which is, uh, I mean, Blake Corum could have won the Heisman Trophy yeah. if he doesn't hurt his knee yeah. uh, going into that Ohio State game. So. I felt a little bit like Kendra Miller in how today unfolded for him was like Blake Corum. He just yeah. didn't take a snap. I don't think he took a snap. If he did, yeah. it may be a ceremonial one, but I don't I don't think he did either. I saw him walking out of the locker room with kind of his hoodie over his hoodie over his head. It's just a tough way for Kendra to obviously go out. He has a remarkable talent and had a had a remarkable year. I do think we're go ahead on Michigan. Yeah, no, 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 no. I got. I was looking at Florida State. You're scrolling on yeah. your phone for the people yes. who can't see. It will be an off season of relentless optimism. <laughs> yeah, it will be, and that's the one that I'm still a little skeptical of. Not because I don't think they're improved and they're good, but when I when I watched them in their bowl game and a few times over the course of the mm-hmm. season, I, I don't know if people are going to accuse me of being fixated on comparing things to carnival rides, but they seemed like a roller coaster that was just about to hop the track. Yeah. A lot of times, even in games yeah. when they ended up winning. So I'd like to see a, a little, a little more consistency before I quite jump on the bandwagon, but I certainly do think they can win the ACC. Jordan Travis, is he a top 10 player in the sport going into the season? If he's not, he's a top 20 player yeah, in the sport point, going into sure. the season. Again, Maybe we don't 10, know yeah. quite who's all coming back either. So this is all uh, this is all random uh, late night caffeinated uh, optimism and uh, projection. Um, and you know, think- one thing, too, the, the deficiencies you'd see in Travis, I just made the statement that I think McCarthy's yeah. going to be a big time star yeah. next year. With the amount of improvement that Jordan Travis has yes. made already, if he takes another step, then yeah. he's easily a top 10 player. Yes, I do remember. Uh, so when Jordan Travis was just emerging from that quarterback battle at Florida State, Kenny Dillingham, who was then the Florida State offensive coordinator, told me prom- they were playing up at BC. And I went to the team hotel and he was like, Jordan Travis is going to be a first round pick. Jordan Travis mm-hmm. is going to be a real guy. Mark it down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 Kenny, whatever. So there yeah. were a few text messages this year after some Florida <laughs> State wins from Kenny, <laughs> who had his own things going on with Bo Nix, yeah. reminding me of that uh, of, of that projection. Because I think I don't do a good job hiding skepticism. And, <laughs> and I think he, he caught that in uh, in me. But it's a great point on his development because it's been real. And it will be fun to continue that going. Jared Verse burst out of the gate with yeah. that game against LSU. He was out of the Albany transfer, who was a DN. Had some injury issues that slowed him down a little bit. I thought he made a great decision coming back. And he'll be one of the top defensive players in the country uh, this year. And really, I think, can benefit from another uh, from a, from another strong year. What, what do you make of your tie, Reese, your, your alma mater uh, next year when you look at I'm a little skeptical of the tide from a sense of I think Bryce Young covered a lot of their sins. And yeah. I think that yeah. – you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't pull that Houdini act at Texas. Now, again, you can what if your way to Alabama being undefeated, you can what if him to four losses. And it yeah. depends on how you view it. But there's no what if that they will they will be a worse team without Bryce Young. They'll be talented. Uh, it's going to be a real question as to 
as who wins the quarterback job, whether it's Jalen Milrow, who mm-hmm. will be a really different kind of quarterback than they've ever had, similar to Jalen Hurts if he wins it, except faster and bigger. Which, and Jalen is a big, powerful guy. Or Ty Simpson, who's a little bit more, seems to be, I haven't seen much of him, seems to be, reputation-wise, yeah. a little bit more like the quarterbacks they've had. But I think the biggest thing with MP is you, you saw how Georgia dominated on line scrimmage. Alabama doesn't do that anymore. Right. Right? They haven't in the last couple of years, not to that degree, consistently. Certainly not on the O-line. Yeah, not on the O-line particularly. That's probably a better way to say it. They've flashed on the D-line. Yeah, D-line, yeah. And so interior hasn't been what it the was. The interior is not – there's no Jaron Reed. There's no Jonathan Allen. There's no uh, Deron Payne or, you know, no Marcel Darius. Um, they don't have those guys like that. They're all at Georgia yep. right now in the I interior. Mean, They've got pass rushers for sure. I It'll be interesting. Also, will there be changes on the coaching staff? Will Bill O'Brien go to the NFL? Will he get a head We'd coaching? We'd be pretty stunned if he doesn't. I would be surprised if he doesn't. So all of those things are, are big questions for them. So, I mean, Georgia, to me, is a clear-cut favorite in the SEC, and Tennessee and LSU will be right in the mix with Alabama uh, to see who is the challenger to Georgia, if anyone. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, there were times tonight where, where I think we, we sensed that, that Coach Saban was a little bit annoyed, you know, that like he, that, you know, it, it's got to be hard to be as competitive and successful he is and to be inserted in this moment as a bystander and observer and not a competitor. Yeah, I just think that's a very natural and human uh, emotion. And I don't think it's any any indictment on him. And how will he respond to the horror of losing two games? Two games. Two and, games. And not being here. And like Bryce Young had the opportunity to come to the game tonight if he just wanted to come. And he just couldn't take it, wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because he was just so frustrated, you know, that they weren't in there. So you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how Saban reacts, how the players react. And, you know, Georgia kind of has that that feel that Alabama had for a number of years. And that doesn't mean Alabama's not good. And it doesn't mean they've fallen off the cliff and it's over and they'll never win again. But right now, Georgia has that real, the word Kirby always uses this connection. And Alabama at times this past year, Felt a little disconnected. Yeah. And no. so, you know, it'll be yeah. interesting to see if they can recapture it. Zits on the Mona Lisa, but for sure. The, yeah. the aura of invincibility has shifted mm-hmm. east. Right. I don't think there's any other no any, any other way to say it. And and some of it is, I think of big number 99. Is it Bear? Uh Bear Alexander. Yeah, Bear Alexander. Yeah. Like you think about guys like he's that. a freshman. Yes. Yeah, yes. Big and number 13, is it uh Mikhail uh, uh Williams. Williams, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, it, like those are the kinds of guys who, when you think of Georgia in the future, you're like, wow, those are linchpin mm-hmm. program guys who are going to grow up into sort of these, you know, they're, they're freaks and there's yeah. no other, there's no other way to say it. This uh, is a team you're kind of high on. You're looking at Penn state there. Schleyball has it number six. Yeah. I like Penn state, man. I, I, I like Penn state. They, uh, they have the best tailback duo in the country for sure. Uh, Drew Aller, all my spies behind the scenes there are raving about him. Um, Penn State hasn't had a first-round pick at quarterback since Kerry Collins in 1995. Now, I'm not saying this kid's definitely going to be a first-round pick, but there is a tool set when you see him on the hoof and you saw him on the hoof at, at the Rose Bowl mm-hmm. that gets you uh, that, that gets you pretty excited. And uh, Abdul Gargantuan. Yes. No. I mean, it's yeah. like when I went to a spring ball, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like it was just yeah. you know, um, you can only learn so much from like a random March spring practice, but that was like seared in my mind and. Everything is lined up, you know, just from what you hear about him and uh, the the things he does. 
They have uh, a, a very good physical defensive line. They have Abdul Carter, who seems like he's going to be the next great Penn State linebacker. He wears he wears eleven like all those other freaks have. And uh, Top Robinson, yeah, Top Robinson's right there. I mean, like they have recruited. Really they have recruited at such a level mm-hmm. where these are the types of guys you you expect to emerge. And Chop Robinson, you know, has emerged as uh, that. I said this on the pod last week. I think Devin Carter, the receiver from NC State, who was hyper productive, made a great decision to uh, to, to go there. And it, it it will be interesting to see. You know, you talk about the connectivity. For some reason, Penn State, when they've had their more talented rosters, haven't had that fullest level of connectivity. Mm-hmm. And is this is this the one to do it? Is Nicholas Singleton the guy who who can who can lead that charge? Is uh, Olu Fashano, the left tackle, who's a top five pick? Is he that linchpin on the O line where maybe they they've struggled to block the Michigans and the Ohio States? Like, do they? They've been so close so mm-hmm. many times, and even when they won the national, the, when they won the Big Ten title, they couldn't get in the playoff. Like, yeah. it just it just seems like there's a pretty good playoff case for Penn State, but the traffic in front of them, they got two Maseratis in front of them. They yeah. got they got to figure out a way to split them, and, and that's they, not easy. And they also have been vulnerable to either the face plant blowout loss, which really mm-hmm. hurts the credibility, yes. or that year they also, in addition to that, they lost to Pittsburgh, which is a good yes. team. You know, I, I don't I, look. Maybe there's some Pitt fans going to say, "No, you've got your years mixed up." But I don't think Pitt was great that year. They were good, but they, they weren't. weren't they weren't great. It wasn't an ACC title. Yeah, team. right. And so that you got to eliminate that. Both the face plant getting beat forty nine to ten type games, and and the ones you've got to win the ones you're supposed to if you're going to elevate and get into the playoff and have a chance to win the championship. Yes. So with USC at number seven on Mark's list. The folly of talking about this on the night of January 9th is USC because their roster changed so dra- drastically from hiring Lincoln to uh, to kick in August that we'd have to think it's going to happen again. We'd have to think that some of their salary cap is going to be shifted to the defensive side of the ball. They need to get better. They need to get better quickly on defense. They obviously lose Tui Tui Pelota. Come on, Reed. Tui Tui Pelota. Thank you. Tui, I mean, Tui Tui Pelota. Tui Tui Pelotu, yeah. who is their best defensive player. Um, uh, Makai Blackman's expected to leave. They just, and they're going to lose some guys on the offensive line who, who played a lot of snaps for them. Um, you know, three key, three key guys, Voris, Nealon, and uh, Bobby Haskins. So, they, and they weren't exactly a dominant offensive line. They're a functional offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I think their their defensive line, other than Thule, was just okay. So, Caleb covered a lot of sins, yeah. and uh, they need they need to do a better job uh, a better job around him. Makai Lemon, the receiver who's local, is one of the most dynamic receiving prospects in the country. I'd expect him to surge onto the scene into the Pac-12 next year. Yeah, look, here's the whole thing with USC. I know you're not a big movie guy, right? I mean, uh, enough. Okay. All right. Do you know um, Do you know the comedy classic starring Steve Carell of Get Smart? I don't. Okay. That's a little generational, right. though. In the In the Get Smart. Uh, Steve Carell movie, there's one scene where they're trying to stop the terrorists from whatever it is he was going to do. And the faux president is sitting in watching a concert in the Hollywood Bowl, and a guy runs in at the last minute. Maybe it was Carell. I don't really remember the scene. But he he runs into the conductor, and he, and he tackles him, smashes him, and it was all to stop a bomb from going off. And the president, who I guess was supposed to be like uh, George Bush, says, I like that tackling part. That was a very long story to say USC has to learn to like the tackling part. Yeah. And if they don't learn to like the tackling part, then it's not 
it's not really going to matter. Yeah, the early buzz I heard out of SC this week is they will not part ways with Alex Grinch and they will bring him back. Now, people forget because their offense played so well and they brought in so many pieces on the offense side of the ball that their defensive talent was terrible. So I am of the believer of giving Alex Grinch another chance because I think he's comfortable enough with Lincoln. He's comfortable enough like being the defensive coordinator for that offense is a little bit like being a beer can at the end of a station wagon roaring down the highway. You just have to hold on. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough, like, it's not like you're going to be able to bring in Vic Fangio uh, to be, to be the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, in, in that. So with that said, I think with better personnel, I think could come better performance and you really only need to get moderately better, but they were unconscionably bad in the, in the postseason. There's no other way to say the, the, I mean, there were there were schematic problems because anytime you have guys running through gaping holes and there's no one there, mm-hmm. that by definition is a schematic problem. But I thought the bigger issue was that when guys were in position and were getting dragged down the field by the likes of Tulane and mm-hmm. Utah's running backs who are good teams, but if you're playing at USC transfer portal or or not, you should not be being dragged eight yards down the field and then relinquishing your hold on the ball carrier that shouldn't happen that should happen maybe once a season and that was happening like repeatedly in those last two games and you know they have to fix that or or there's no reason to have a seven by them it's just an exercise in utility yeah reese i'm going to put you on the spot just we just went through a few teams for the 2023 college football playoff i need your four right now okay georgia yep georgia's backups georgia's recruiting (laughs) class And Georgia's transfer portal. What about their analysts? Okay, their analysts? analysts. <laughs> no, <laughs> they have I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'll say. I'll say Georgia. I'll say Michigan. I'll say. Um, I'll say Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Penn State. Reserving the right to change my mind. Two teams. One. I'll say that Penn State. Lose one of those two teams will lose to the other, and they'll both get in. And so you'll have Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, Michigan. It will just be two teams each from the from the Big Four, right. with Ohio State working on the outside. And really, the only reason I picked Penn State and not Ohio State is just so I wouldn't pick the most predictable four that you could possibly pick, unless you would pick Clemson or something. How about you? Well. Uh, you obviously have to pick one wild card, right? So I'm going to start with my wild card. I pick Notre Dame. Okay. I feel like Sam with Sam Hartman, the two best tackles that I know of at the top of my head on January 9th in college football mm-hmm. in uh, Fishers and Alt. And look, they need a transfer portal receiver. And if they don't get one, I, I, I reserve the right to change my pick in the next yeah. six months. But yeah, of course. I do feel like that program, we saw ascend and ascend precipitously. And I feel like they were the piece they needed to unlock it arrived. So I think that's, uh, and I think they were closer if you watch them really towards the end of the season, especially they really manhandled Clemson. I feel like there was a tone set. So that's my that's my one wildly optimistic pick. I'm going to take Georgia for Georgia's sake. I will take uh, I will take Penn State because I've been bullish on them, and I will take the Tide. Okay, there you go. So it's all set, and we'll see who wins. Yeah, you don't even have to watch next year. Yeah, I know. It, it's, <laughs> it's always a sad night when the season is over. I'm sorry that it uh, wrapped up for TCU the way it did. As it, We didn't care who won the game. I was hoping it would be competitive. Yes. Um, and certainly with TCU giving us so many thrills over the course of the season, yeah. really disappointing for them, not in them, but for them, uh, 
for it to end the way it did. But a great debut for Sonny Dykes. Great dynasty establishment for Kirby Smart. And now they turn the page and start recruiting their own rosters, keep people from poaching them. (laughs) And then they start trying to get new guys and they start planning for for next season, which will be here just around the corner. We're going to keep the podcast up. It might not be quite quite as frequent as it was during the teeth of the season. We're going to keep rolling. So you stick with us. We appreciate you listening. It's emergency podcast. The one thing you couldn't see because we're sitting beside each other in a small room is that to celebrate his alma mater's national championship, uh, David Pollock ran over to the glass window and stuck his bare chest up against the glass window while we were trying to concentrate. I will not be able to unsee that. Be glad that nope. you uh, be glad that you didn't. Um, you mean to the words hunker down, you hairy dog. Yes. Um, you know, for our listeners, uh, and we appreciate everybody coming along. Uh, I think we'll probably dabble in basketball once March oh, yeah. comes around. We'll we'll do some more. I mean, there's never any there's never a lack of things to talk about in college football. I think we'll dabble in some draft. Maybe we'll bring in some uh, mm-hmm. some new folks. Our friend Bill Connolly will come back and join us. I think Mr. Nipple, Mr. Pollock, who uh, just flashed us there. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, once he gets his Christmas trees taken down, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll pop back on. But, uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. It's been fun. It's been, yeah, it's, been it's been fun to bump into people. It, we're part of your dog walks, your commutes and, uh, you know, just uh, your workouts. And it's, it, it's, it, thank you for taking us along. It's always gratifying to hear from you. And if there's anything you want to hear from us in the off season, feel free to uh, drop a line and uh, continue to send the tweets about who should play Stetson in the movie. Yes, because the movie's coming. Man, that was uh, quite an exclamation point yeah. in the sequel. Georgia Bulldogs National Champions. Again, it's been the ESPN College Game Day podcast. Download it wherever it is you like to get podcasts. We'll see you.